I think it was uh, my generation, the millennials, that were accredited with the saying, the struggle is real. And uh, I think we all know that, right, about life, that life is a struggle, isn't it? Life is a struggle uh, day to day. It's in, uh, I don't know about you, but I've had those days before, and I'm sure you've had, that there's a day uh, where it just seems like nothing seems to go right that day. You go to start the car, oh, I've got a flat tire. You go to get the tire replaced, they can't do it for another week. And you, then it's one thing after another and another and another. And you realize that, man, this has been a struggle today. It's been a hard day. And, you know, that's how life is, really. Life is just a series of struggles. It's a series of battles. It's a series of fights. And we all go through that because we live on an earth that is not perfect. We live on an earth that is fallen. And it's the reality of the, the in-between of, of heaven and earth. It's the reality of we experience God's goodness in our lives in the midst of uh, suffering, in the midst of enduring hard times. But the Bible is no stranger to the difficulties and the realities of the struggle and the struggle that we all go through. And, you know, the Bible is very clear about the fight that we are in as believers that we all go through in life, that we are all in a fight. We're all in a struggle. And I think maybe perhaps the Bible is a little bit more uh, clear about a spiritual fight that perhaps we are not as aware of uh, day to day. But it's true that we are all in this struggle. And this morning I want to read to you a section of scripture that Paul writes to Timothy. And Timothy has been appointed to the church in Ephesus to serve there. And he's trying to be a leader there. He's a young leader there in Ephesus. And he's trying to pastor these uh, believers there and this church there. And Ephesus is uh, an interesting place. And you might remember from some weeks ago, I showed you the picture on the screen of Ephesus and the, the, the beauty that it was, the fronts of the, the architecture there. And Ephesus was an interesting uh, cultural centerpiece. Uh, I would equate Ephesus to be kind of like a, uh, a New York City of its day. It was a very uh, interesting spot to visit because of the mixture of people there. And so this morning, I want to read to you this instruction that Paul gives Timothy. And I want you to just kind of hear the nature of the relationship that Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy is like a son to Paul. He basically has adopted Timothy into his own care and has mentored him and has helped shepherd him and apparently knows even Timothy's family from very early on, knows his mother, knows his grandmother, recognizes that in the earlier writings and even goes into just uh, talking about his faith that was instilled in him through the laying on of hands. And Paul actually quotes that uh, two or three times talking about when we laid our hands on you. And so obviously uh, Paul has seen Timothy grow in the faith since the very beginning. And now he gives them him some instructions, some instructions that we all need enduring in life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, man of God, shun all of this. Uh, some translations, you flee. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called 
and for which you were made, the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some translations use the word until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is blessed and the only sovereign. This little uh, passage right here is a, little, uh, a doxology that Paul brings into this. And notice what he says here. He says, he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign. This is important because Paul is writing to a culture that is very fixated on Roman, uh, kind of this fixation with Roman government and worshiping Roman government. And so he acknowledges here, there's only one sovereign, only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality. Now notice this was almost, uh, uh, Paul doesn't say many things to threaten the Roman government, but this was one of those things. Caesar may say he's immortal, but listen, there's only one who's immortality. He who is alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one who has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. There's some other parts here in the latter parts that I'm going to reference here in just a few moments. Uh, but this morning I want to talk to you about the good fight. The good fight. You know, when I think about a fight, uh, I think about this idea of almost like a schoolyard kind of uh, scrapping that happens. And there's this kind of these two guys, and they, they're going to kind of go at each other and raise their fist up, and they, they're ready to go to town. Meet me at the parking lot at this time, and we're going to go for it. But really, that's not the image that uh, Paul is talking about here when he's talking about fight. He's talking about more of the word, maybe a better word would be struggle. And it's this idea that there is this resistance against you, but keep struggling through it. Keep enduring through it. And this word that he uses here about fight is, all, is also uh, kind of a same similar word that he would have used in referencing uh, perhaps a contest or, or this Roman idea of a uh, of a sport, sporting gathering. And Paul likes a sports. I think if Paul was alive today, he, he would be like a big NFL, MLB fan because he talks about sports a lot. And he does uh, here as well. He talks about this contest. And that's how he references the faith. Is he says, fight the good fight of faith. And he gives some uh, imperative ver uh, commands and verbs here that are strongly suggesting things to Timothy. This is what you need to do to fight the good fight of faith. Here are four things you need to do. And he lays them out before them. And we're going to look at them this morning to see, to help us, that you and I can fight the good fight of faith. We have to fight the good fight of faith. And this morning, it, we're fighting to endure. We're fighting to continue on in the faith. And, and this is such an important word for us speaking to this guy up here uh, firstly, because this is where a lot of people lose out. This is where a lot of people lose out in the faith. 
When they become believers in the Lord and everything's wonderful in their life and, oh, I love Jesus, I love, but then the first tragic thing that happens and they, they start to question God and wonder, is God really present? And sometimes people may come in and divert their attention away from the Lord and it causes them what Paul often refers to as wandering away from the faith. And you don't just walk away from the faith during those times. Paul always uses this word wandering as the, to kind of the, or convey the image of there's this slow drifting that happens. And that's what, it, that's what happens to all of us. When we're in the fight, there is this thing that kind of happens where it causes us, if we're not careful, and if we don't pay attention to the things that Paul tells Timothy here, we will wander away. And this morning, I want to encourage all of you in encouraging myself today to endure, to keep struggling, to keep wrestling, to keep fighting, to keep pressing. As long as you and I are living in this world, and as long as you and I are using our lives to declare the wonders of the Lord, there will be a fight. There will be a fight. There will be a struggle. And it's the struggle is, are we going to keep pressing on or are we going to give up? And so here are some four things that Paul tells Timothy to do and things that you and I can learn from this morning. The first one he tells him in verse 11, he says, shun all of this, flee all of this. Now, uh, we, if you noticed here, when we started reading this verse, he starts it with a conjunction. But as for you, O man of God, shun all of this, leave, uh, flee all of this. And so we have to ask the question, well, what is all of this? And he talks about in the preceding verses there, he talks through this, scripture, this uh, section of teaching about false teaching and riches. And he notes these two things. He says this about false teaching in verse 4. He says, uh, talking about them, it says, is understanding nothing and has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words. From these come envy, dissension, slander, base suspicions and wrangling among those who are depraved in mind and bereft of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Notice how he talks about here how the things that they're coming in and teaching, whatever these false teachers are teaching, uh, we, we know that they're teaching that there's no resurrection, uh, that they're, they're teaching some crazy things, and just like there's crazy things that are taught today. But he talks about how what, what it comes down to is this, is it causes envy. It causes dissension. It causes slander among the believers. It causes base suspicions. It causes wrangling or fighting among those who are depraved in mind and bereft of the truth. So he says, flee from this, and then he goes on to say and begins to talk about money. And money apparently was an issue in the church in Ephesus, and he says to them, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. So Paul tells Timothy this, the first thing in the good fight is this, is you and I, we have to learn to flee and to shun all that is evil. All that has the appearance of evil. All of those types of talk that is craving for controversy and disputes about word. Flee from it. Flee from it. For if, it's, if it's a fixation upon money and it's robbing us of our joy in our life and our focus from Jesus, flee from it. Paul says this, if you can learn to do that, flee from all of that. This is the first thing to do. And isn't that the way the enemy works? 
is the enemy is so, so tactical. And the enemy knows what causes us to easily wander away. And oftentimes it happens in these things that Paul mentioned earlier is it happens in envy. It happens when there's just a little bit of division. Not a lot, just dissension. Just a little bit of dissension. It happens when there's slander. It happens when there's base suspicions. There are things that are not even credible, but there's just a little bit of talk. And all of these types of things can cause us in our good fight, if we're not careful, if we give them the time of the day, it will cause us to wander away, to drift away. And so he says, if you're going to fight the good fight, you have to flee from that. Don't give that the time of the day. Don't allow that to come inside of your soul. Don't allow that to be a part of your life, but flee from it. So, and likewise, is money. Isn't it amazing how Paul says, Paul, uh, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil? Just the love of money. You, don't even might, you might not even have it, but just the love of it. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And many have noted over the years how this passion and this drive to obtain more and more and more, the love of money to obtain all these types of things, to obtain and bring all the things that we can into our life, how it ultimately, there is no gain in the end. I recently read the story about a, a man who was a wealthy businessman in uh, the early days while New York City was being developed. And of course, this was before uh, all the great skyscrapers in the early days when the Empire State Building was being developed. And this man de desired that he was going to obtain lots of riches and wealth in his life. And so he began getting into real estate and de developing real estate in New York City and going to town and making big empires and all the things that he possibly could and what you and I might see as a part of New York City today. And he wanted to make a great name for his life and wanted to do some wonderful things uh, with his life through obtaining money, through obtaining empires and buildings. And then one day it happened that he tragically died I believe it was a, a, an airplane act or an automobile accident. And one day he was found that all of the wealth he obtained, he had no one to give it to. There was no one to inherit it. There was no one left to. But he spent his life obtaining all of that wealth for nothing, for absolutely nothing. And when you look at the big picture of life and what really matters, Paul is trying to show Timothy when you, uh, it, it's obvious that you and I, we need wealth to live. We need money. We've got to buy groceries, right? We've got to pay the bills. That's obvious in this. But when it desires, it becomes rooted in our heart and it's a love that distracts us from what Paul says next, pursuing righteousness, then it's taken the wrong seat in our life. So he tells them, flee from that. Flee from that. If there's any talk that is taking away life, as we talked some weeks ago, if there's any talk that is taking, is causing dissension, it's causing division, that is just has the, as he says this word here, a base suspicion, even if it's just a suspicious talk, he says, get rid of that. Flee from that. Shun it. Put it away. Put your hand up it and just walk away from it is the talk that you and I have to have. Shun all of that in the good fight. And the second thing he goes in to tell him is this, is he says, you have to pursue righteousness. Watch what all the things he says here. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. This word pursue is a word that is like as if you and I 
we're playing tag. And it's the, the idea is that, that we might lay a hold of it, that we might obtain it. So pursue after it, run after it. Like you're in a race, pursue after somebody in front of you. And so he's telling them, you have to pursue all of these six things here. And so I want to just kind of show you what Paul is talking about. And it's almost like these things are intended to work in pairs. He tells them, pursue righteousness and godliness. Righteousness and godliness come out of a right relationship with God. So Paul is telling Timothy, pursue a right relationship with God. And you and I in our lives, in the fight for the good fight of faith that we have, we have to pursue a right relationship with God. Pursue living with the Lord. Pursue dwelling in God's word, abiding in the word, abiding in prayer, spending our lives for the Lord. Pursue a right relationship with God. Righteousness and godliness isn't obtained through human measures. It's obtained through an abiding relationship with Jesus. And so many years of the church have got it wrong that they think if I do enough of the right things or if I do all of the correct things or if I go to church this many times of the year, then I've obtained a right relationship with God but that's not the way it works it's the other way around it's having a right relationship with God that brings about righteousness and godliness in our life so he tells them first off pursue righteousness and godliness secondly he tells them pursue faith and love why do we need faith and love in our life this is the second pair that faith and love it calls our attention to a trusted and loving relationship with others we need love for our relationship with others so he tells them pursue a right relationship with God and pursue a loving relationship with others now listen in Paul in Tim, uh, Timothy's day having a loving relationship with others, you can see it was a challenge because there's some people, they're talking badly, they're saying some bad things about one another. And so the question of if I'm going to love somebody is really up in the air. But Paul tells Timothy, despite all of that, pursue faith and love. Pursue love, even in the midst of all of those things that are being said. Pursue faith and love. Thirdly, he calls them to do this. He says, pursue endurance and gentleness endurance and gentleness pursue a right relationship with God pursue a relationship with others and pursue the enduring quality needed in the midst of opposition Paul tells Timothy and he knows he's up fighting against every day week to week fighting against people who are coming in false teachers are rampant in this day and age and he tells them you don't need uh, you don't need to go to the gym and work out a little bit better so you can knock them across the head no, he says you need gentleness. You need gentleness in your life. And gentleness is one of the most underrated qualities of a spiritual life, in my opinion, in the believer. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about faith, love, and endurance. We need all of those things, righteousness, but there's very little talk about gentleness. And gentleness is the picture of Jesus in my mind because Jesus was a gentle person. When Jesus walked on the earth, he wasn't rude. He wasn't cutting people down with his words. Even though his words had convicting power to the Pharisees, it was done in love. It was done to speak truth in the midst of darkness. And you and I, we have to embrace gentleness. We have to embrace the ability to be gentle with one another, to love one another. When people are rude, it's okay. Just be gentle. Be gentle with one another. It's this enduring quality that you and I, if we're going to be believers in this world, world we need endurance and gentleness the ability to press through even though it makes me so mad I'm just going to be gentle 
It's a sign of love that is present. Shun all of this. Flee all that is evil. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And thirdly, he tells them this as what we've been talking about this morning. Fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. It's a fight. But I want you to note this morning that Paul tells them that it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Many days I've heard, oh, so many people over the years, and I, I try not to let this thing get in down into my soul, but we can almost become pessimistic when talking about our faith. We say, well, the enemy, he's really done this to me. And it's almost like this, we've given credence to the enemy. We've given credence to, well, the enemy's working overtime and all the things that we could possibly say about the enemy this, the enemy that. But listen, the enemy's going to fight. That's just who the enemy is. That's the nature of being an enemy. But Paul tells Timothy this, it's a good fight. In other words, what he's telling Paul is this, is that it's a fight that is worthwhile. It's a fight that is honorable, is the word that should be maybe used there. It's a fight that is valuable. It's a fight that when you and I have got to the end of it all, we're not going to look back and say, man, I'm glad that's over. It's a fight that says, but I would do it all over again. It's a fight that says, I'm willing to do it because Jesus did it for me. So it's a good fight. It's valuable because the Lord Jesus endured the cross. I can very well endure as well. It's a valuable fight. It's a fight that is worth it in the end. And this morning, I just want to encourage you today that whatever you're going through in your life, whatever I'm going through in my life, it's a struggle. I know. It's a struggle. I know. It's hard. It's hard. But listen, that's why we have the church, so that you and I can come alongside of each other, encourage one another, pray for one another. And even though it might be difficult and challenging, there's an encouragement that can come from the believers that say, I know you're going through a, good, a hard thing right now, but I want to encourage you, keep going. It's a good fight. It's worth it. In the end, it's going to be worth it. You might not think it's worth it right now, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. It's a good fight of the faith. Keep fighting. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, we wrestle not against, and we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the fighting the good fight of the faith is realizing that our struggle on this earth is not so much against one another. It's against principalities and power, but we have to keep enduring, keep pressing on, keep going and doing all that we've said and been called to do. Keep praying, keep giving, keep blessing the Lord, keep praising God. I've found that many times difficulties in life have tried to discourage the things that I have learned to be the most valuable in my faith but in that season is when those things need to be practiced all the more lifting up our hands praying calling on the Lord trusting in Jesus those are the things that are so important in those seasons of life keep fighting the good fight of the faith keep praying keep trusting keep calling on the Lord I don't know there's this thing that happens in our life sometimes it's called discouragement and listen discouragement is just a little tool to keep us from doing the things that we've been called to do. It's just a little tool to keep us from giving up. But Paul tells Timothy, put away discouragement. Fight the good fight. Keep going. Keep wrestling. Keep going on to the end. And so he encourages them this fourthly. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you were made. The good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love this one. Take hold of the eternal life. 
You may think, that's kind of strange. How do you take hold of the eternal life when we're living in a temporary world? How do you have, take hold of something that is eternal even so now? But Paul encourages Timothy this word, take hold, which means grasp tightly. It's almost as if you were hanging on for dear life and holding on with all of your life to climb up the rope into a boat or whatever it might be when you're in a struggle. It's this idea that means I'm putting all that I have, all of my strength. Uh, some translations use this, uh, this defined it as all of the nerve that I have to the very last nerve, to the very last strength. Everything that I can possibly put into grasping, take hold of eternal life. What does Paul mean by that? Later on, he tells, Paul, he tells Timothy, he says, guard the good deposit which was put into you. Guard what has been entrusted to you. The word of Christ, the gospel, the calling, guard it with entrusted it. And he tells them, there's people, they've stored up treasures for the good foundation for the future so that they, in, in 6 and verse 19, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Let me read that again. So that they may take hold of the life that really is life. I read this recently and I underlined it immediately because I thought, isn't that what it all is about, Lord? This life right now, it's temporary. We know that. The Bible shows us that we're pilgrims. And what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy is to take, look through all that is temporary and grab hold of that which is eternal, the place that you and I are striving for. As we just sang this morning, I'm on my way. Now I'm on my way to that place. It's the life that really is life. This life is just temporary. It's not really life, what Paul is saying. It's going to pass away. It's like a vapor. But the eternal life that has been deposited inside of the, us, that is what is really his life because that is from Jesus and that will be eternal. And so he's telling them, grasp a hold of that thing. Grasp a hold of that reality. Grasp a hold of the fact that I'm going to make it all the way to the end until I'm standing in the presence of King Jesus and the unapproachable life and standing with him forevermore. Take hold of of the eternal life. Paul goes on and he tells Timothy this, that he's talking about Ephesus. He tells him this doxology, the only sovereign, the king of kings. In this day, there was an early fixation upon the emperor worship, upon worshiping Caesar. But Paul is telling him, don't worry about that Roman fixation. Focus on this, that at the end of it all, at the end of eternal life, you and I, we're going to stand before the only sovereign, the only supreme ruler, who is the Lord of all of the other lords and his name is Jesus so take hold of that eternal life I've learned that in my life I've learned that when I'm struggling when I'm going through a hard time I've learned to really give me perspective to keep going is to think about this is just a moment but one day I'm going to stand and I'm going to look back and think thank God that you gave me the grace to endure Thank God you helped me to keep pressing on. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't give up back then. Thank you, Lord, forevermore that I am keep going and to take hold of the eternal life. As the musicians come, I want to leave you with this. As we're talking about fighting the good fight of the faith, I just want to give you this picture. The Bible over and over again and, and talks about this, and I've just been studying this so much lately and reading this in my own life. As there's a lot of things that are important to the Christian life, but there is one thing that I think is the most important of them all, 
and that's endurance. That's this idea of fighting, the good fight. A lot of people, they don't make it. They, they give up. They lose endurance. They lose the strength. It's like, it's like there's this NFL game that's happening. There's a fumble on the play. The play is reversed. They're going back. They've stored a touchdown. It's all, it's all a mess. But in this Christian walk, you and I have been called to just keep enduring. The Bible says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. He that presses on to the end. Every letter in the New Testament, and I want you to cast the, the strongness of this. Every letter, every, there's all of the letters in the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, every single one of them talk about the importance of endurance and talk about those who have wandered away from the truth and the things that have come up in this life that have caused some to wander away. Every letter talks about it. Every letter talks about, uh, and they grieve at some points. Paul writes to Timothy and grieves and says there's some, they have shipwrecked their faith. There's others, they've wandered away, they've given up. Something has come up, some false teaching, it's driven them away. They've lost hold of Jesus. So he tells them, keep enduring. And I think the best picture of endurance is found in what our Lord Jesus did for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says this about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. And lately, I've just begun to think about my Jesus. That, you know, Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. He took upon a, a cross upon his back that was badly wounded from the stripes that had been given to him. And even in the middle of that, the Bible says he endured. And you know, at one point while Jesus was carrying the cross up to Golgotha, the Bible says there was a man in the crowd and they could see Jesus was struggling and they pulled him out of the crowd and made him help him carry the cross all the way up to Golgotha. But the Bible says that it was the joy set before him, so he endured the cross. Jesus' joy is you and I. And the thing that drove Jesus to keep enduring was his love for you. The thing that drove Jesus was his love to keep knowing that it's for you and I. I'm convinced that when Jesus was walking to the streets of Jerusalem and was carrying the cross up to Golgotha, I'm convinced that he was thinking exactly about you. In all of the people in the world, even now today, he was thinking about you and I. He was thinking about your future, thinking about the life that you and I were going to live. In the middle of his pain, what he saw was not his pain. He saw you. It was love. So therefore, it was the joy that set before him. He endured the cross. Listen, what I've learned about endurance is this, is that endurance is about love. You don't endure for something you don't love. You don't keep pressing on if you don't really love. But endurance, when it's about love, when you realize that it's all about Jesus and I want to be to the end and I want to make it to the place where Jesus is at because I love the Lord Jesus and because he means more to me than anything in the world, I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep going. Even if this thing happens in me that is just overwhelming, it's taking away life, it's, it just feels like it's destructive, because it's for Jesus, I'm going to keep enduring. I told a friend of mine recently, who they have just, over the past few years, have just gone through some terrible things. I mean, just all the things you could probably imagine, they've been through it. 
And I just think, I thought to myself, Lord, what, why? So many things, they've lost loved ones, sicknesses, all just family situation, all the possible things. And I told that person, I said, you're an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration because you've learned this principle here. He that endures to the end shall be saved. It's not about I've got to try harder, do harder. No, it's because I've learned that I love Jesus more than anything in the world, more than my struggle, more than my pain, more than my suffering, more than what I'm going through. I love Jesus. So therefore, for the joy set before me, Jesus, I'm going to press on. I'm going to endure unto the end. Will you stand with me this morning? My friend today, can I just encourage you today? Oh, how Jesus loves you. He knows. He knows every tear you've cried. He knows every struggle that you've had. But yet he knows it's a hard time. It's difficult. And can this morning, can I just encourage you? Keep going. If I could just be in your life all day long, I just applaud you. Keep going. Keep fighting. You can do it. Listen, when, when, the, when the players struggle in a sporting event, we don't boo them. We don't, no, we say, keep going. You can do it. No, get back up and fight. And that's what I want to do for you this morning, my friend. You're struggling. You're going through a hard time. Keep going. It's worth it. Oh, how it will be worth it in the end. You and I standing in the presence of Jesus, knowing forevermore, oh, Lord, that life, it was worth it. It was a good fight. Don't ever let anybody tell you it's a bad fight. The Christian life, it's a good fight. All the history of years of believers that have gone before us have endured the suffering, have put up with the persecution, all the things. If they didn't think that it was worth it, they wouldn't have kept going. But they knew that it was worth it for Jesus. It's worth it, my friend. It's worth it. Keep fighting the good fight of the faith. This morning, you need prayer today. You're going through a hard time today and you just need some people to stand alongside of you and say, can you just pray for me? I need God's strength. Would you just come this morning? Stand at the front today. Just come stand here that we could just join with you in prayer today. There is nothing wrong. That's what the Bible commands us to do. That we can lift each other up, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another as long as it's called today. And we want to stand with you, just encouraging you this morning, praying for you. You need strength to endure. We just want to encourage you through prayer today. And I'm going to ask some of our uh, folks who will pray today to gather behind these folks who need grace to endure and pray with them, encourage them. Give them a encouraging word today. Let them know you can make it. You're going to keep going.